BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! You hear the sound of those sirens, y'all. That can only mean one thing. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Outsider's Edge right here on the Chairshot Radio Network, where we invite you to enjoy your day the Chairshot way and always use your head. This is your boy, Mr. Kyle Moores. I am here with my Golden Lovers brethren, Mr. Ray Cash. How you doing, sir? Look at me showing up every week to work like an adult. I know, right? And like I'm, double meaning because you actually at work. <laughs> literally. And I'm at work. I'm working here and I'm doing your job because I'm teaching my daughter before school starts. I know. Yeah, look at you're, you just doing all kinds of shit, man. Hey, man. Got, um, I, I wear many hats. I got a big head. We were going to take this week off because spoilers behind the scenes. It's my birthday this week. So we we're going to take this week off. Um, but. Man, some, like, really important shit happened over the weekend, and we would have been remiss as a show to not, like, get on the airwaves and talk a little bit about it. So, let's just, you know, let's just start with the elephant in the room. Um, Twelve superstars from... It was 13. Desmond Desmond Troy, too. Yeah, Desmond Troy got released, too. Thirteen superstars were released from NXT. Uh, the full, the full list. Do you have the list in front of you? Uh, you give me five seconds, I can have it. I oh, I mean, I'm pulling it. it up as well. I'm pulling it up as well. So the list of names includes I got Bobby it. Fish, yes. Bronson Reed, Jake Atlas, Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves. Cocaine Kona Reeves, baby. Leon Ruff. Stefan Smith, Tyler Rust, 
Zechariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giant Zangier, Mercedes Martinez. And then who did you say was our 13th? Uh, his real name is Denzel Dejernet, but he recently started going by the name Desmond Troy. And Desmond Troy. So that's 13 people released, several of whom were not only in active storylines, but like Bronson Reed was North American champion like two weeks ago. Tyler Rust is in, a, speaking of active storylines, the Diamond Mind is feuding with two people. Well, I'm sorry, one now, because one of the two people they were feuding with just got released. See you, Bobby Fish. Yeah, so like these just, they just gutted the depth of the NXT roster. Anyone that was not one of their like headlining names, basically, or one of the newer developmental names were released from the NXT roster. Um, which in and of itself is dizzying. Um, you know, it feels like week after week after week after week after week, we're sitting on this show talking about more and more people got, you know, put out of a job in spite of all these record revenues and profits and all this other bullshit. Um, and so over the weekend, more and more news came out kind of surrounding these releases. Um yeah. And why don't you kind of go over that for us? Well, as we know, NXT is holds multiple hats, right? NXT is part developmental system, part third touring brand. It's it's what especially in recent years, since they've got a TV deal and they go on they go on the road and whatnot. Well, so the reports are coming out that Vince. Bruce Pritchard, Johnny Ace, and of course Nick Khan, who's the guy behind the money situation, have kind of re-taken a, a re-taken a, 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 a another look, kind of reinvigorated their interest in NXT and its place in the hierarchy of WWE. In fact, there are concerns and questions as to if the NXT is doing what it's supposed to be doing, and so which it's. Initial job is to create stars for the main roster. I was going to say, which is a valid question to ask if you really want, but I mean, it's not the correct question. The correct question for me for the last little while, at least, has been what is NXT supposed to be doing? Well, that's that's, that's a very fair question, and I'm sure it's one that Vince asks because if one thing we know about NXT is that Uncle Paul, aka Triple H, has full autonomy down there. Yeah, he controls that. That's his baby. Vince doesn't ask no questions. And in fact, if you don't mind, I want to reference the text message me and you had uh, between each other because um, there was a report coming out from a guy on the record, but with with anonymity. I think I said the word right. Anonymity. Anonymity. You did close. You did very good. Look at Dr. S'mores over there. Um, uh, Speaking about how uh, the quote-unquote hoarding the WWE did with their roster, and he said that initially they weren't hoarding. They were hiring that many people for the right reasons, quote-unquote, because of the global localization of what they were trying to do with the next team, the Performance Center possibly in India and the one possibly in Japan or China and the one possibly in the... Uh, they already got the one in Europe that's, uh, I think, in London or Blackpool or wherever it is, and the one that's possibly going to be in Brazil or wherever or Mexico. So it legitimately was a reason to hire so many people, but then 
as the company became a necessary necessary third brand and got into kind of a ratings war slash uh, content war slash uh, talent war with AEW, New Kids on the Block, it became a sense of hoarding. And so I I saved this because I'm very proud of this thought, but I think it's very good to kind of discuss, if you will, but my and I'm going to read it just like I sent it to you. Um, I don't think they were hoarding until AEW because the guy said hiring all the talent had honest intentions because of the upcoming global performance centers. They were going to make NXT the NWA of the world. And then NXT turned into a third brand overnight because it had direct competition. And I think Vince looked at it like Hunter had to earn his keep. He's built a performance center, had a brand, ran out of financial loss for years, got an approved global plan, and all of this with full autonomy. Now, they got a company directly attacking them, so beat them, and proved the brand is worthy and viable on its own, and they didn't, and now NXT seems to be getting restructured. So, I mean, and then that was further validated by the reports. So, yes. the do you want to get into those next, then? Uh, yeah, we can get into the reports. Which ones? You, there's so many. I mean, just I'm just the report up. that just the report that. So allegedly, the official stance is now NXT oh. is going to go back to developmental. Well, yes, that's that's legit. It's the uh, one with where Melster said he had the correct direct quote, which I don't believe. Yeah, I don't but necessarily saying, believe the direct quote, but like the yeah. important details from the quote were the concept that from now on NXT is going to go back to pure developmental, no more people over 30, no more people who've been on the indies forever. They want young people that can become main characters and stars, and they want big guys, and, you know, the return to the Curtis Axel era of NXT. So I don't believe all of that. I believe a big a bunch of that. But if they if they were returning to the big guys, then they would have saved some of the big guys that they they released. Bronson Reed is a perfect guy for that company, so much so that he was just doing trial matches not even a month ago. So that's the stuff that makes me question my mind. And on top of that, one of the quotes was "No more midgets." They just offered reportedly a million dollars to Adam Cole, who is quite frankly quite small. So it makes me wonder, but I do believe that the brand is going back to its intentioned um, purpose, which is strictly developmental. And I think they're going to rethink. Triple H messed up when he started hiring people specifically for the purpose of being in NXT. That should have never been the goal. Like Samoa Joe made sense because Samoa Joe was going to be strictly NXT and be a trainer, much like Cash is only resigned to the brand for. Catch Bobby Zono Fish resigned. made sense for the same reason. Bobby Fish is in his Bobby early forties, like, right? Hideki, Mercedes Martinez, Hideki, Hideki Suzuki, who is um, Hachi Man with the um, Diamond Mind. That is, he actively works as a trainer, but he also wrestles. That like that makes sense. But when you're signing your Garganos and your Champas and your Undisputed Eras and all these people who are never moving. Even to the point where people like Gargano and Ciampa came out like audibly on camera on WWE television in the ring and Ciampa in the documentary and said, I will never leave NXT so much so, so that I'll retire. 
I want to pick, but I want to pick up on that. I want to pick up on that because I think that that is getting at the real heart of the problem, but I don't think it's necessarily for the reason you said. I don't think that Triple H intentionally just started signing people to just be NXT guys forever. Okay. I don't think when he brought in the Undisputed Era, I don't think when he first brought in Gargano and Ciampa, I don't think the plan was keep them in NXT forever and ever and ever and ever. I think Mm -hmm. especially in the case of Gargano and Ciampa, it happened that like they were brought in during the height of the golden era, like the height of the golden era of NXT. Yeah. Were the classic example of started from the bottom of the card, worked their way up to these like beloved star status, had their big classic series of matches. And then they were the first set that were really just like, oh, these are real, real, real little guys. And Vince is trying to start this cruiserweight division on the main roster and fucking it up real, real bad. Well, they were the Cruiserweight Classic. They were. And I'm thinking, so like, I think what ended up happening is, in the case of Gargano and Ciampa explicitly, I think what ended up happening is it's like, okay, so I can either get called up to this main roster where I will probably end up in this Cruiserweight division that's going nowhere, or I can use the pull I've got with Uncle Paul to stay here in NXT where he'll keep me on the top of the card forever. I think the performers had more input into that. And I think that's still a problem. I'm not saying that that doesn't make sure, a problem. Sure, 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 sure. And I'm not saying sure. that it didn't inevitably lead to issues for NXT. Because it did. Because we have talked for months now in the cases mm-hmm. of Gargano, Ciampa, and the Undisputed Era people where it's just like, okay, why are they still here? You know, when we talked about Adam Cole yeah. and him re-signing with the company and whether or not he was going to do it, our exact words were, if I'm Adam Cole, I re-sign as long as I leave NXT. Yes. If they want me to stay in NXT, I can make that kind of money and go somewhere else. 100%. Um you're right. Your point is right. I think Gargano and Ciampa specifically may be bad examples of what you're of the point you're making for the only reason that one Gargano and Ciampa, as we seem to have forgotten, were called up until Ciampa messed his neck up and then they went back because they had nothing for them separately. It was a tag team thing. And um, when the whole NXT invaded Survivor Series thing happened because of the Saudi situation, you remember the person who was who was propped up as the leader of NXT was Tommy Champion. Yeah. So there with was Goldie. With Goldie. No, this was he wasn't the champ. Adam Cole was the champ. Champa was Champa was this this was after Goldie. This was face Champa after he came back from the neck from the neck injury. Uh they had him standing standing side by side and like with Roman and Seth Rollins. So but yes, there was there. I think there was a legit concern, especially when Ciampa and Gargano were signed. Because remember, just remember, they weren't signed uh, like the Undisputed Era were, or like the Fearsome Five of Neville, Owens, Kenta, uh, Pac. I'm not. I said Neville, um, uh, Sammy, and um, Finn. They weren't touted. They just they, they were given dates and worked their way up to worked their way up to getting a contract. And then got put in the Cruiserweight Classic. And then we kept being a, becoming a tag team and work. DIY is real. They worked their way from the bottom. Um, but there's a lot of other people, which leads to 
kind of an an uh, amalgamation of both of our points. Amalgamation. What's up? Yeah. Boy? Yeah. Um, is that NXT became essentially the indie hub, and ninety percent of those people that Hunter was signing, he knew weren't gonna make it on the main roster, or weren't gonna work on the main roster, and. I'll give you a perfect example of that, even though I'm kind of I'm going before the indie hiring spree. But I think Bailey is the perfect example of what why NXT didn't work on the main roster, because Bailey spent two years having one of the best character arcs in the history of professional wrestling, from being a nobody to being almost not, dare I say, Eugene-esque to you know, getting bullied and beat up by and turned on by everybody to finding her inner strength uh, to becoming her own person to Brooklyn. That was a fantastically beautiful two year span, literally almost two years. And then all of that, the people loved her. She became the female John Cena. She sold that much merch from NXT and she gets called up and she's expected to be all of that upon call-up, the main crowd don't know that story. So they don't, they don't have the same um, affection for her that and people who watch NXT do. They, and they never went out of their way to tell you the stories. Well, that's, and, and that, that's facts, yes. And, and, and that is something, because I think that there could have been a happy middle ground there, where it's like, instead of giving me the vignettes of so-and-so is coming, or even if you give me those so-and-so is coming vignettes, in that first handful of weeks when you're giving them the squash matches and you're establishing who they are and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. show me that story. Show me in the first vignette, like, fangirl Bailey arrives in NXT and she's kind of a fish out of water and we're not sure what she's going to become. And in part two... You know, show me yeah. her figuring it out, and she's getting really close, but she can't quite get there. And then in part three, you show me her and Sasha shot the world in Brooklyn, and she's That's a badass. Stuff. That's good stuff. Because my initial my my initial reaction was the Bailey story. Bailey's character in that story was wasn't something I think you could just kind of condense and be like, hey, let me explain this to you in a matter of vignettes and weeks. Whereas Sasha Simple, that's a simple character to explain to people. Charlotte is a simple character to explain to people. Like Kevin Owens is a simple character to explain to people. Bailey was so nuanced, right? The second thing is, and this goes back to when I texted you that day, Vince is like, if she's this big a deal and you're making her this big a deal, you have the very first, um, and with, with respect to TNA, the first North American main evented uh, show by women was Bailey and Sasha at Takeover Respect. Mm-hmm. So Vince, I'm sure Vince is hearing all this stuff about Sasha and, and Bailey, and that's why him and Stephanie pulled Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte because they needed to revamp the women's division. They revamped the women's division, bring back the women's title. The one left over is Bailey, who only got bigger after they left. I'm sure Vince is thinking, I should have to do shit. If she's this big, she should walk in day one and be known. And unfortunately, she wasn't. And to Vince's credit, for all the people say Vince has NXT, he's done that numerous times. Kevin Owens walked in first day, John Cena. 
Sam Ballard walked in first day, Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn walked in first day, John Cena. These people are walking in, getting major stories. It's just the cream rose and the ones that wasn't the cream didn't really work. I mean, I guess that's fair. Um, I know the wasn't the cream is a bit harsh. I don't mean that they they couldn't work, but everything that worked on the indies and in, in, in I think don't work in Raw SmackDown. You're right. You're right. But I think where I think where the difference ultimately became and some of that is because nxt was developmental and so that this was the point of it but like the difference was nxt gave you had patience and gave you the time to figure it out and iron out the kinks and like become the character bailey didn't step foot into nxt as hugger bailey she had to figure that shit out great point great point whereas main roster wwe uh, my example for this is going to be Tyler Breeze before Breezango. Gotcha. They brought Breeze in and they did keep pretty much the same gimmick because Prince Pretty is an easy gimmick. It's an easy no. gimmick. Translates no. just fine. But when the very first storyline didn't hit the exact way that they wanted it to, he was no. instantly put into a comedy angle with R Truth and Fandango and um, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler. Like, instantly put into a comedy angle that nobody took seriously. And then they flopped the teams to make Breezango a thing. And even at that point, it was still put put on as this, like, bullshit that nobody cared about and nobody believed in. It wasn't until they did the brand split and started doing the fashion files and were given time. Great point. To Great start, point. You know, they start with what the first fashion files was maybe a 30-second vignette. And they just progressively allowed it to build from there. And it became this like weird Twin Peaks thing that was just really fun and unique and made you care about them. You know, it became big when WWE started to to become a part of it. When the the creative wanted to start writing for it. Yeah, they started putting it on the website because this was early enough that they didn't put everything immediately on YouTube. They were putting it on the website. Nope. So, okay. So then... Let me flip it this way because I have this question for you, and I know your answer, okay. what your answer is going to be, but you may surprise me. Uh, but th- I think it's a fair discussion to have. Not saying I lean either way or the other, but Tyler Breeze is a perfect example of of what you tried to express. But everybody I've mentioned, and I'm not male wise, everybody I've mentioned in this entire conversation, unfortunately, has been six foot or smaller. The mm-hmm. only one. That's a heavyweight, unfortunately, is Kevin Owens, which is why he's been the most successful of the people we've named, with the exception of Finn. Finn has probably been the most successful, but we know he's had some ups and downs. But from a guy like Breeze, specifically, with the perfect gimmick, who was played it perfectly, exuded the Zoolander-esque blue steel model. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If he was 6'3", don't you think that shit would have worked? Which may fall into Vince's point. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. So so my answer would be, my answer would be, and you probably did predict that this would be my answer. I don't know if it necessarily would have worked, but I bet you if he was 6'3", it would have been given more than one storyline to work. <laughs> that's, that's for damn sure. And, like, and, and, that's, and that's where like my point really comes in. That's what my ultimate thing was, is because you're right. I, I don't dispute what you said. 
you're right. But my argument would be, even if it didn't work when he was 6'3", if that first storyline went the exact same that it w- way that it did if he were 6'3", I bet you if he were that 6'3", Vince would be like, let's give him another one. Let's let's figure this out. Let's sure. give him another one. Let's see it. Sure. If, was it him? Is it the gimmick? Or is it just, for whatever reason, him and Dolph didn't have chemistry? Uh, as opposed to, because yeah. he's not taller it was just oh this didn't work so like whatever he's like a cruiserweight figure something out for him to do that's a great point and i also want to add a point that i don't think many people listening really you know me i'm a big details guy Mm -hmm. and i think context matters in every situation but especially in wrestling situations because only one person picks and chooses who wins so it's the other reasons that make the story right right Everything we've talked about Breeze, I think, is factual. And if he would have been 6'3", he would have got more chances. But I think we forget that Tyler Breeze wasn't called up because Vince wanted him. Tyler Breeze was called up as one of the guys Triple H promotes because they've been there too long. We forget Tyler Breeze, a.k.a. Mike Dalton, that's not his real name. That's his his original wrestling name, Mm -hmm. is an FCW guy. Tyler Breeze was Roman Reigns' tag team partner in FCW. Tyler Breeze was in fcw that long so it was literally a shitter get off the pot moment and hunter called him up as a kind of a thank you for doing this so long we need put you on main roster not too dissimilar from xavier woods original call up when he basically stole brodus clay's gimmick and music i'll give Mm -hmm. you even bet i'll give you the best example of the bunch directly after wrestlemania shit i can't remember which one it was the vaude villains got called up ain't a person in the world thought that Aiden and Simon Gotch deserved to be on the main roster, but because they had been there so long, they deserved, they, Triple H gave them the call up. And you saw what happened. Simon so, Gotch almost killed Enzo, and they got broken up within four months of them being on the main roster. So I would counter, the only counter I would have, because everything you just said was factual, the only counter I would have to it would be, I don't think it's necessarily that we didn't think they deserved to be called up so much as we knew this team ain't ready. Simon Gotch is green as fuck. Aiden English is bland. This team is at not going to yeah. work. Um, oh, as this, it turns out, considering the other tag teams that were possibly possible that could possibly have been called up is a as better it turned play. out. Aiden English found his actual calling as Rusev's hype man, um, and it was the greatest thing ever. To the point that even now that he's getting back into the industry, he's just like, I'm not really going to, like, wrestle full-time anymore. I'm going to do commentary. I'm going to manage. I'm going to announce. Like, I'm going to use this beautiful voice that I have. He always, the words bread was buttered. He always did. And the Val Villains actually worked as a tag team in NXT, but they worked because they were counterculture. You put them on the main roster, the main roster's not going to get the gimmick. They also worked because, and this was another problem that NXT had more before, and I'm hoping that they'll have it less if they ever are actually touring as a televised brand. In the age of Full Sail, literally everything that went to Full Sail was over. It was either over like Rover, or if it wasn't over, they shat on it so hardcore that it got the right amount of heel heat. Well, Dallas. And the acoustics of the arena were such that, like, it always sounded hype as fuck. And so, like, what you ended up with was a situation where 
we were never certain. We always thought we knew because it's like, oh, yeah, this act is probably for real, for real over. This will be. And once they started doing takeovers in the bigger stadiums and you heard who was getting actual pops, it's just like, oh, yeah, people really did like, um, you know, they're gone now. But people really did at the time like Enzo and Cass. They were over. Um, Yes. No question. They were over on the main roster from day one. They yeah. debuted and the crowd did their entire thing. Like not that. to mention, not to mention to this day, like I mean, I think she would have eventually probably figured it out regardless, but like Carmella owes her start to that. Oh, what a, by like, the way. Carmella Carmella became someone we cared about because and this right here, this is Carmella. And, and she's, she's hot, hot as hell. hell. And you can't teach that. By the way, if we're gonna give Triple H credit for one thing, is it that he saw the he saw the the right on the wall and knew early enough to get Alexa and Carmella away from those two teams? Mm-hmm. He was because like, he oh, saw no, that they I got were elements here. I got characters here. Yeah, but no, keep going because you cook with grease. Good stuff. Um, well, no, so like I think that that became part of the inherent problem of NXT, and it's part of why you know ultimately maybe it didn't work out. If you want to make that argument, I mean, you can definitely make it, is because you never knew for sure who was over because everybody was over, and so then they get to the main roster, and you have one of three things happens: either, and this one was really common, creative didn't know what the fuck to do with these characters because there was no communication seemingly between NXT creative and main roster creative. And there should have been. It should have been no different than when, it should have been no different than if we're using a a regular sports analogy, getting called up from single A to double A, double A to triple A, triple A to the majors. The coaching staff is going to call you up and say, yo, so I know, I know you're calling up my boy Rance. Let me tell you, he's got a really strong arm. He's got quick feet. But sometimes his reactions aren't very good. He's got to work on that so that they know coming in. All right, man. So I've heard you struggle with reaction times. These are the drills we're going to have you focusing on. Um, Yep. No synergy whatsoever. No synergy. There was never somebody sending bullet points to say, hey, so this is American Alpha. This is what they are. This is how they work. The whole point was this is an odd couple pairing. Jason's real, real serious, but Chad's really, really silly. But it works because they're so technically sound together. Um, hey, this is um, this is Carmella. This is what she has become. Um, here's how you use that. Like, there was no synergy. And so sometimes it worked. Sometimes you had someone like Alexa who was able to just figure it out as she went along in this, this new adventure. And they were smart enough because this was that original SmackDown creative team that was smart enough to go with the crowd reaction and go with the momentum. They were like, oh shit, this girl's got momentum. Let's just give her the title and we'll figure yeah. it out from there. And that yeah. became, oh yeah, I'm the goddess. I'm hot shit. Well, also it helped that Alaska talk. It's well, always easier when you can... When you can do some of the work yourself, because with and I mean no disrespect by this, but so many of these guys can't do the work single handedly by themselves. Full Cell, you said it perfectly, masked so many deficiencies. They Full Cell and NXT. It's funny because NXT was before AEW was kind of considered the the kind of um, spirited successor of ECW. Well, you know why that else? Fans. You know why that's also funny? You know why that's also funny? For as much heat as there is between Stephanie and Paul E. Dangerously, Uncle Paul and Paul E. 
have a lot in common when it comes to this is my wrestler. Here are all of his strengths. I'm going to do everything that highlights these strengths and those four things he can't do. We're just never going to we're never going to put him near it. We're just never going to put him near it. But remember where both men came up at. They both came up under Bill Watts in WCW. Remember that? Oh yeah. They both they both cut their they both cut their teeth around the same place. So that's an that's an ideology both of them agree with. You're right. Accentuate the positives and hide damn the negatives for a lot of the people. And, right? and where that became a problem was because there's no synergy between NXT and main roster. When they got the to the main roster, they don't know the negatives. And even if they did know the negatives, they're main roster. So they're just going to do Look, Vince wants you to do this. So here you go. And, you yeah, know, so true. And in a lot of the cases, it's just like, well, that this is why we had gold in NXT and we have copper on the main roster. But at what point is that on the NXT and on Triple H? Because I, I know I everything ultimately falls is. on Vince. No, I think it partly is. Yeah. I think I think it's one of those 60-40 moves or 50-50 okay. even moves where it's just like at least half of this blame falls on the developmental system because if you're the developmental system, you're supposed to develop them into what I want them to be. Yeah. So like half of the blame falls on that. But yeah. the other half of the blame falls on, to continue with the sports analogy, it falls on the big league club because if I drafted you as a pitcher and I'm trying to put you on the major league roster as a second baseman, yeah. when you've been developed as a pitcher this entire time and that's always been your skill set and that's all you've known and we've never asked you to field, we've never asked you to bat, we've never asked you to do these things. So maybe you haven't done them since you were in school or you were in Little League and yeah. first learning how to do it. And it's just like half of that falls on the developmental for not keeping your skills sharp. But the other half of that falls on the main coaching staff for not recognizing this is what I have. And I'm not using it the way that I should. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. So thanks for helping us pay those bills, y'all. Uh, sorry about some of the random jump cuts. We are, you know, a live production, and sometimes we get pulled away from the recording. Um, anyway, 
So NXT is inevitably apparently going to be restructured. And the real confusion and concern now with all of these cuts and these rumors of like the changes, the thought is, okay, so with the people that are already there, who stays and who goes? That's number one. Mm -hmm. And then number two, once they've done that and they've, you know, kind of equaled out that transitionary phase what does this new NXT look like? Is it something that's going to be good enough to stay on USA? So, I'm not concerned about that, only because, I mean, Vince McMahon and Dick Eppersall are best friends. Fact so, that USA ain't got shit for programming. I'm saying. Suits is gone. So what else they got on the team, on the channel, right? It's like, it's nothing else. It's Chris Todd Chrisley and WWE. That's about all they got. So I'm not concerned so much about that they'll find something to do more content bing bang boom i am worried about the um the quality of the content even though these guys can wrestle but how will it be framed but to that to that concern the rumors say that they want to make it a bigger budget more like the main roster-esque from a, a look standpoint new lighting new logo new music which could help the presentation so even though I, I think the presentation is dope, I think I, my, mean, I think the the I think what that might help. One thing that might help is that might help with some of the consistency between the two products. Like I'm hoping that maybe it looks so different. It you know maybe if they make them the same, even though it will be to NXT's detriment because if we're talking consistent quality, NXT consistently has put out a higher quality product. Facts than the main I, roster. No, so this AW, like I still will. I still will go on my shield saying NXT has been the best, most consistent quality television for years running. Yeah. So from a quality standpoint, it might result in a less, a lesser quality NXT, but just from a continuity standpoint, maybe if they're being produced in a similar way, we won't have situate. We won't have as many situations like Dewdrop, Piper Niven, Dewdrop, like mm -hmm. where you decide to bring them up and then you just, not only completely repackage them, but you act like you ain't ever seen them before. And in certain cases, it's kind of insulting because it's just like, wait a minute, this person had like multiple title matches at several takeovers on bit, like was appeared in many specials. You know what's so sad about Dewdrop? Only if they only didn't act like they didn't know who she was, doesn't it'd be perfect? Yeah, everybody would have been That's fine the with problem. the everybody would have been problem. fine with the name change because of the way that they explained the name change. If you'd have just said the former Piper Niven and she showed didn't even have to say her name, of, what is she doing here? Yeah, you know, just act you like know, you had seen her before. Show clips, say, oh, this woman has dominated NXT UK. Yeah, like just acknowledge that you know who they are. So maybe this might help in that standpoint, but like. Yo, let's get into this roster in terms of the people that remain. Who's still in NXT? And then who do they ultimately, if this is the direction they're going in, say, uh, kick rocks, big dog? As we talk about this, for those of you listening, understand we are building to, in a couple of weeks, TakeOver 36. So this is all pre-TakeOver 36 because it, it the writing on the wall feels like there's going to be massive changes and the only guarantee after TakeOver. And the only guarantee I think right now for TakeOver 36, and I mean, you know, some people say, oh, is it a guarantee? Is it a guarantee? Karrion Cross is losing the NXT title at NXT TakeOver 36. I'm pretty sure. I would agree with that. He I has been on Raw for like, what, three or four weeks now? 
this was his third week because no fourth week because Jeff fourth Hardy he lost two. Jeff Hardy he beat Keith Lee he lost to Keith Lee and then he beat Jeff Hardy yeah so four times yeah so like four weeks in a row that's not just like being used for the sake of being used oh no they're he's called actively, up yeah, that's what I'm saying they're actively back on the road touring he has been called up like takeover gonna be the swan song to for- your credit. I think that, but I, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Owens had a defense that he defended and was still champ- Sasha Banks. They will call him a champion and let them be champion for another cycle. So I, anything anything could happen. I will say this: it w- it is a very NXT like swerve for us to all be like Samoa Joe. Boom, he's winning. He's coming back. First thing, and then Karrion Cross choke his ass out. That's quite NXT swerve. I'm just saying. I don't believe it's gonna happen though. Speaking of swerve, speaking of swerve, hit row. Yes. Hit row. Does hit row stay in NXT or do they ain't going nowhere? Or are we gonna find out somewhere else? They ain't going nowhere. I they, I can tell you they ain't going nowhere because if they go somewhere, then they got they got to fight on their hand. If they fire AJ Francis, aka Top Dollar, he no, falls I'm not talking on about fired. Show. No, no, I'm not talking about fired. I'm saying in new NXT, like in the new NXT, are these people who are kept in NXT or are these people that they're like, oh no, we're going to have to send you to the main roster because you don't fit what we are anymore. Let me tell you why they stay in NXT. And this is is going to hurt to say. It's going to hurt to say. Go ahead. But so much of the main roster is built on personality and built on instant, oh my goodness, right? Even if you, you don't have to be six foot seven for you to see someone be like, oh damn. You don't have to be super big. It's just a magnanimous personality. Isaiah Swerve Scott is one of the best people on that roster, from a person-wise to wrestler-wise to personality-wise. But he's so chill, I don't think he'll get the reaction that people will want on the main roster. And with him being the head of that stable, I don't think it would work because they're only as good as the head. Counter, counter, counter. I think... I would agree with you if they were to come to the main roster in the same way that like a Karrion Cross did, where like they just show the fuck up. One I'm just day saying that's and normal there. the way. However, there's a way to make it work because you're right, he is really chill. But do you know what Hit Row has and the reason why they run shit in NXT? Like chemistry. they ooh, not just chemistry, they ooze swagger. Yes. They have like a swag and a presence about them. If you yes. allow them a couple of weeks to do some like do some raps, allow them a couple of weeks to establish that concept of hit row records. If you didn't yes. know, now you know. You know, let them get a couple of weeks of that. That can establish just that in and of itself, and definitely allow them to continue to rap their way to the ring. That in and of itself will establish a level of swag for them that I yeah. think will transcend into the main roster, even with the white audience. Because if there's one thing we know about a white audience, they love dick riding cool black shit. Well, that looks that we have seven, we have two hundred years of that. Yeah, we have centuries of data. <laughs> so I think we're saying the same things just in different ways. This is what I mean. Um. Yes, I'm talking specifically about just dropping them. But I also think what I mean is that 
we much like Bailey, we've seen Swerve go through so many different character changes to the point where he is now, right? Um, Swerve City podcast is on the damn network or mm-hmm. Peacock or whatever the fuck yeah, it's called. Yeah. But my fear is that Top Dollar and his his rhymes are more vicious than Swerve's because he's so loud and abrasive. He's gonna overshadow Swerve. Ashanti the Adonis is the most swaggiest human being I've ever seen in the way he walks and dresses. And he's gonna overshadow Swerve. And Beefhab is fine as fuck. And she got this kind of "you can't touch me and I'm better than you" esque. She's a female. She's a female MC. Like there's something about exactly. There's, there's something that it takes to be a female MC that exactly. like requires you to carry yourself in such a way where it's just like, oh, this is a boss bitch. She almost plays Sasha better than Sasha. Like, oh, she's this is gonna, a boss bitch. Okay. She's gonna overshadow Swerve, and that's not because Swerve isn't better than them. Swerve is the best rapper of the group. Swerve is the best wrestler of the group. Swerve is the best talker of the group, but because he's so much a low-key person and likes to let everybody else work, uh, get their get their love, that I'm afraid that they're going to split him up like that because, oh, Top Dollar's a superstar. Put him in a singles guy. Oh, Ashanti Leonidas, he's small, but he's cool. We'll put him back in the cruiserweight division. Instead of leaving them the way they gathered the, the, the dynamic. What cruiserweight one. division? Well, I mean, there's still two or five live show. Shout out to Ikemen Jiro. He's the only one that's still on the roster. <laughs> Him and Brian Kendrick, the producer. So that's my, that's what I mean. I don't want them to. I don't want them to, the group to be fundamentally changed, to be split up, or anything. And I feel like if Swerve was more of a, a, a of a loud, abrasive, go getter type guy, then I feel like Vince would feel more beholden to say, "Oh well, well, pal, we're gonna keep the group around you because." I see money in you, and I don't think Vince will see money in Swerve. Not as not as a, not as a leading man. I mean, I don't necessarily think that I disagree. I just, you know, hope. I could definitely. Well, yes, hope. But I mean, I'm. I also could just definitely see them be moved out of NXT if they decided that that doesn't fit with whatever the new thing is. I agree with you too, but I also would say to the counter, somebody got to stay to lead to lead the group. Somebody has to stay to be the top guys to help establish whatever they're trying to do. Yeah, because the best the rest, way to establish a show is is a stable. That's always the best way to establish. Well, you're a right. Show. You're right, and you're doubly right because if we really look at the rest of like the upper echelon of both the men's and women's divisions of NXT, they all got to go up. They all got to go up. The upper. Been there. You got you had two you graduated twice since they've been there. <laughs> yeah, the upper ends of the men's division are Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, yep. Roddy Strong, yep. um, fucking Cross. We've already discussed. Mm-hmm. Finn Balor already got called up. Mm-hmm. Um, Pete Dunne right. been there forever. Johnny right. Gargano, Tommy Ciampa. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's crazy. Then if the then if you go to the women's division. Eo, Dakota, uh, like somebody. Right. Raquel may just may have just been on TV for a little bit, but she's been there since FCW. Index she's been there forever. Index, yeah. both of them as a unit. Um, like all of that, all of those guys have been there forever. They've done everything there is to do. From an age standpoint, they're definitely not developmental stars anymore and if you're talking about you need stars and bodies 
shit. That's an entire fucking mid card and like badass women's division right there. Just just right the fuck there. I I think so if I may switch to another person who I think is perfect for the rebuild is and it's funny because the dude signed almost to be back in the big time because he was the king of the mig of the smaller companies and now he's going to have to do it again. It's LA Knight. I think he oh, is yeah. also a perfect he's a perfect top level by the way, I love that Britt Baker stole this thing and nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> I, no, no, you know it's funny. You know it's funny you bring that up. You're right that nobody gives a fuck, but it's funny you bring that up. When I was at Dynamite, there were people in the crowd behind me who knew Eli Drake, and Got like you. people brought it up. We we're just like, oh yeah, she totally stole that shit from Eli Drake, the namer of dummies, dummy, yeah. Um, but like, you're absolutely right. Nobody gives a shit. But part of the reason that nobody gives a shit is because when he re-signed with NXT, he agreed to change his name. He still does I, it, though. L.A. Knight. He still does he it. He does still do it. But, but it's I'm not saying the same. It would have been less obvious, or it would have been yeah. more obvious of the, like, t- where she got it. If it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, Eli Drake been doing this shit for a decade. This is true. And I also appreciate the fact how even though he still talks the same, he still uses the same catchphrases. So he uses the same cadence. He's changed his character a bit. He's, well, so like, he's more the WWE's version of elite, uppity, upper class type. Because mm-hmm. Impact, at the end of the day, is still indie wrestling. Yes. And so like, indie wrestling has a very specific like image in mind when they think of a star. WWE is a billion-dollar multi-traded company that has produced actual A-list movie stars. Great point. So, like, when they're trying to establish someone as, like, a legit A-lister type, they have a totally different aesthetic. Great. The number one and number two movies in the world right now are fronted and starred in by WWE bred superstars. So, I mean, that's great. Think about Suicide Squad and John Cena. Jungle Cruise and Mr. Dwayne Rock Johnson. That's crazy. So you've got that. And then also just like the fact that that company is owned by billionaires. It's kind of like one of the things, you know, AEW gets rich characters right. Because when you're a company run by rich people, rich people know right. what rich people look like. Oh, by the way, to add further to it, Dune is coming out in a couple of weeks. Who stars in that movie? Dave Batista. <laughs> so I mean, it's like the writing's on the wall. But I think L.A. Knight, so whenever you started, I'm imagining, I'm, I'm looking at this probably in the wrong way, but I'm thinking of it if you're starting, basically starting a new company or a new brand or a new anything. You always, uh, it's good to have a stable, preferably heel. It's good to have uh, a, a strong top, heel champion. A strong heel champion. And then it's good to have a baby who can do anything. And so you got two of those and MSK and Cameron Grimes. So I think <clears throat> I think the difference I would say between an LA Knight and a Cameron Grimes is I think that eventually a Cameron Grimes still goes on to a Raw or SmackDown. If for no other reason than Cameron Cameron Grimes is only 29. You're right, but I, but I'm it's not because of age. It's because you think Vince will use him. Yes, for one reason and one reason only. He can do everything. And Vince always yeah. has use for a utility guy that don't get hurt a lot. A small utility guy 
that can do that can do any gimmick, that can cut a halfway decent promo, and that doesn't get hurt a lot, who can bump like crazy and make his opponent look like a million bucks, Vince will find time for that. You're right. I mean, look, you, you're, you're right. Be, here's the, here's the difference. Here's the difference. I'm gonna be you for a second. Okay. You're worried about it because in NXT, Cameron Grimes is what Cameron Grimes should be. A main attraction, a top guy, a big deal. Yep. If he yep. goes to the main roster, hey, he Drew might Gulak. just be a utility player. Drew He's Gulak. a guy that a can do everything. Yeah. That when I have a need for him, I've got a shot to utilize him. But his ceiling is probably mid-card. And, okay. and I think that in a case like his, some of your some of your trepidation is the inherent fan in you who's worried, like, fuck, no, like, don't send him up there because they're not going to do it right. And you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of it. So then if we're not going to peg him as kind of our top-level baby, are we well, looking... Well, no, I think he could be your top-level baby in a short-term sense. I just no, mean I that if you, NXT yeah. is going back to being developmental, then the goal should be with our top-level baby and some of those right. things. You're a top-level baby for, you know, six months to a year. And then we're going to ship you on out. We're going to bring sure. in the next top-level baby that we're building up. Um, the My difference with him and L.A. Knight is L.A. Knight is like 37, 38. He lives in Florida. He's a veteran of the industry and the type of person that you could use in more of a training capacity anyway. Sure. And I so mean, my thought yeah. is like he's the kind of person that I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to probably keep you in NXT because I can use you in NXT. For the duration. So, um, if we're moving past Cameron thinking he's going to be moved in a minute, what do you think about the two guys, the three the three baby faces in the breakout tournament? Uh, the big man, Odyssey Jones, Carmelo Hayes, a.k.a. Christian Casanova, and uh, Trey Baxter, the high flyer. What do you think about those guys? So, I think the high flyer will get over the most with the crowd. I think Vince will be all about let's push this big guy let's see what he's got let's develop but, this but the guy who's been over the most so far is my boy carmelo hayes like the crowds love that guy and he has by far and, one of the best looks you'll let you'll see and in the so and so if hunter and sean still have any kind of pull in nxt if i know that's a big if that's what i'm saying if they still have any kind of pull in nxt then a guy like that will continue to get time and opportunities if not, then it's going to depend on who's put in charge because a lot of that also depends on, you know, how, who's in control of NXT now. Well, that's a good question. And, well, I, okay, a better question is who's in control of NXT. I guess for, for this conversation, who's, who's who will be in control of booking whatever territory ends up being? Because I don't think Vince will change Triple H from being in charge of NXT developmental because he's put too much into that. I, I don't and, disagree. And his and real quick and his his actual title, unless they change his title, is he's over talent relations. Well, so, well, no. So I don't disagree necessarily with that. Maybe a better way to phrase it is how much more involved is our other members of the office staff going to be? Oh yeah, right. I, I don't know if Triple H is going to be the guy who books the show. They might all three compare. Bruce might be over, like he's over Ron SmackDown. He might be over NXT and, and in a case, and, and the reason that that matters, well, the reason that matters to our whole debate is because, like, if 
Paul doesn't have autonomy over the booking anymore, it's harder to predict how things are going to shake out. But I think one thing that we do agree, I think one thing we do both agree on, though, is it feels like it feels like this is somehow going to end, maybe not all at once, but over the next you know couple of months, it feels like this is going to end with most of the current upper card of NXT phased into the main roster and NXT okay. being completely revamped. So I have, a, I have a list of the roster here currently. Right. I'm going to run through some names. You tell me upper, upper stay. Okay. okay. And by up, I I mean I think realistically within six months. Yeah, so everybody's yeah, yeah. like I get okay. called up tomorrow. Okay. Right, 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 right. Um, I'm not gonna include people we've already named. Okay. Um, so um, and I'm not gonna include this guy right here because I'm going in terms of of in uh A to Z. Austin Theory is clearly getting called called back up because he's been working the main roster since they since they started touring again. Touring. And um, well, and realistically. You know, I mean, I don't think that they're going to do it, but, like, realistically, the smartest way to call up the rest of them is to bring up the way, because the way is money. I don't think they're going to. Yeah, but the the way's basically split up. After Austin disappeared out of nowhere, and they haven't seen him, and then now Indy's with Dexter, the way's seemingly split up. Even though, I know it's sad, because they were such a, you don't think they're a family, I think they're a family, but. Okay, um, Tian Sha. And I'm t- I'm talking about uh, Zia Lee, Big Boa, and uh, all of that. whatever Car- Karen, whatever she, whatever her la- the lady yeah. she plays. I that can't remember her single. name. I think because yeah. they're so new, because they're so new, I'm gonna say stay. Okay, now Zaya worked main roster. Um, they may but because the group, just yeah, they up. might bring her up, but like because the group is so new, I'm just gonna have to say stay. Sure. Now again, Boa Boa's been there. Boa was in the first um breakout tournament, the very first one with Angel Garza and ACH and all those people. So that goes to show you how long he's been there. Um okay. Um the new Pat McAfee's All Stars. Pete Dunn, Only Lorkin, Danny Birch, get well soon, Governor, and Rich Holland. All four go up. Uh Pete definitely. Danny and um, Oni. Uh, do what? You talking about, about Oni or Rich Holland? Yeah, talking about Danny and Oni will call will come up together as a tag team. They have been on they've been on the main roster before because of two, the yes. two hundred five. So that's yeah, very that's what, easy I, that's what I'm do. saying. Pete Dunn definitely, and then Danny and Oni will definitely as a tag team. Rich Holland, what do you think about him? I he, think he stays. I was gonna say, isn't he just back off that like major surgery? Yeah, but he looks great because he already he wrestled last week. Good, he looks really good. good. But yeah. like, I think they definitely are gonna like give him at least a year of like conditioning and seasoning and like matches and all that. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna count Indy because again, she's been sitting on the main roster. Index gone. Dexter's gone. You think? Oh, I think I think Dexter. Index. Here's I think Index is gone, and I, here's my thing. Hunter found a way to creatively utilize Dexter Loomis, and if Vince looked at that at all, that's the kind of shit Vince loves. Vince loves weird, creepy big dudes that are mediocre yeah. in the ring. You're right. He you're, loves you're, that you're, shit. You're right. You're right. Um, the 
American side of Imperium, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel? Um, they're a tag I'm team, prob- and they're a really good tag team. I but would they imagine have no characters. Was, well, they have characters, but their characters are strictly based upon being Walter's soldiers. So I don't think they get called up only because of the ability to go back and forth between NXT and NXT UK. Because Walter ain't never going to the main roster. Um, the uh, the Diamond Mine. Malcolm, Heichiman, and Rod, Roddy, Roddy Strong. So here's the thing. I know that they like just got put together on NXT, but like Roddy's like 37. So unless they're going to keep Roddy in a Bobby Fish... Samoa Joe training role, which they might. I mean, I don't know, but like they fired his wife and she probably wanted to go. I mean, she probably did, but I'm just saying he's 37, 38 years old. And like, unless they're about to push him to the title, there's not a whole lot for him to do in NXT. And Malcolm Bivens is the greatest manager ever. So like he can get you over. He gonna get you over. uh, And, we are we are long enough time, Roderick Strong, watchers and fans to know when is Roderick Strong. The, he, you're right, but when is Roderick Strong the best? When is when Roderick Strong have, always the when best? Doesn't have to care, when doesn't have a character, doesn't have to talk. When he has a strong heel manager. Gotcha. Think about world cha- when Roderick Strong was the Ring of Honor World Champion. About truth. Yep, he was part of the House of Truth. He had Truth yeah. Martini doing. All of his promos. Where is Truth Martini? Where's Truth and where's Prince Nana? I think Truth is, as far as I know, I think Truth is out of wrestling. Truth Martini and Prince Nana, and both of them. I think they retired. We have both of them are the reason we have Michael Bivens. It's hilarious. Truth Martini, I think, is the biggest miss in WWE of like not the biggest, but is one of the biggest misses for WWE of the last decade of just. How you got somebody who's this good at getting everyone over and you never even gave him a shot? I'll tell you one who is, but I don't think it's fair to count because, unfortunately, he, he left us early. But Sweden Sour Larry Sweeney would have been perfect for Vince. But unfortunately, mm. because what happened, yeah, man, if Larry Sweeney got in the, in the land of Titantown. Oh, boy. OK, back, back to the conversation at hand. Um, the grizzled the grizzled. Young veterans, they gotta go, right? They're one of the best tag teams in the world. They're they established, go. and the main roster always needs tag teams. So speaking of tag teams, Santos Escobar and Legado del Fantasma. Legado better fucking go, and you better push them to the goddamn moon. They <laughs> won't, but they better. Did you see Santos steal my boy Grill? He got to go. He got to die. Santos is that dude. Man. Um... I'm not even going to ask you about him because he's a Cruiserweight champion. So clearly Kushi's staying. Which is a shame. But here's the thing, you know, I love Kushida and I will never speak a negative word about that man. Agreed. And to, for his credit, I think, I don't mean any disrespect to who he is, but the perfect spot for him at his age and the situation right now would be to be the ace of the Cruiserweight division and rebuild it to give it some a new luster. Mhm. Maybe. I don't think that's a bad spot. Um. Uh. Huh. Timothy Thatcher. So he's tagging. He's tagging he's with tagging, Tommaso Ciampa. He is tagging with Ciampa, and here's the thing: like, 
here's the real deal. And so, like, and this will tie into Thatcher. Ciampa's got to get called up. He does. But at this point in his life, in terms of, like, physical health, I think Ciampa got to be a tag team guy. I don't think, think Ciampa, I don't, I don't think that main roster, especially with the travel schedule and all that other shit, I don't think you can have him in the singles division with all those neck troubles and the knee troubles and blah, 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 blah. I, I feel like keeping him and Thatcher in this, like, grizzly, badass tag team of, like, unpredictable bald dudes, I think that's got legs. <laughs> the only, I, I agree with everything you said. The only disagreement is, have you watched their tag matches? They are more vicious than his singles matches. So it's like, this man got death wish. Like, put him in New Japan with Naito and Kota Ibushi. None of them care about their necks. At all. None of them do. It's hilarious. Um, I, I didn't I didn't include like top stars that, that I'm pretty sure were gone, like Kyle O'Reilly. Oh, either he's gonna he's either gone or he's gonna be the crown jewel of the company. Something, yeah, something like one that. or the other. Let's let's move to these women a little bit. Let's let's go to some um we mentioned her, but we didn't I don't think we actually gave a idea. But Dakota Kai, you think she's gone, gone or you think she's safe? She's going up. So you don't you don't think she wins the title? I think she so I think she's been ready for a long time to go up. I think yeah. I think legitimately, legitimately, I was unsure when they turned her heel, but Dakota Kai is such a good fucking heel. Well, she's Sami Zayn. She's literally female Sami Zayn in that she was the ba- babyest of the baby faces, <laughs> but turning heel allowed her to play the role that she. Sami Zayn was as good babyface as you've ever seen in your life. I'm talking all time top ten. Oh yeah, Sami Sammy, Sammy is an amazing babyface, but, but Sami was can't born. See him as he was else. born to be a conspiracy theorist wearing grandpa glasses. And you know what's funny? With the exception of Ricky Steamboat, because who I never saw play heel, I feel like all all true babies are like that. They're better heels because they are a great baby. No, it's not even that. It's not even because they're great babies. It's, it comes down to two things. It's easier to be a heel legitimately it is hard to be a face because you're so restricted especially in a 2021 environment where like who knows what the fuck is going to get you over orange cassidy got over as a as a mega face by like actively doing nothing and pretending he doesn't give a shit darby allen is over i hate him but he's over as a fucking mega face by being a mute by being a mute who just throws himself off of things yeah Meanwhile, he's, he's meanwhile, the things that you used to make you a traditional baby face, things like what Cody does, get you booed out the motherfucking building. Oh, we don't need jingoism in our wrestling, do we? You're right. I agree with you. But I'm saying part of the reason that so many of the best faces make such amazing heels is because right. they were able to do something that's hard as fuck, which is get us to like you as a baby face. Now the gloves are off and you can do whatever the fuck you want. Shit. Right. Command right. Um, Ember will probably go back. Uh, Frankie got to go. Oh, she's Frankie Monet? So she's too she big of a personality. She's got to go. She's got to go. And she's a bigger star than her hubby. But like her and John together as a unified act are money, regardless of which one of them is the main star, even if Frankie is still the top act. Yeah, but I don't think they'll put her together because John's woman in the main roster is the Miz. So, 
I mean, you know, maybe Frankie can come between him and the Miz and we get some good Miz versus Morrison out of that. I wouldn't be against that, but I don't need to see three months of that because I've seen it so much. Bitch, I don't I need to see be three months of anything. I would really like for WWE um, to maybe go break with the three-month feud formula, even if they cut have it just you, for two months. Even if they cut have it just you, for two months. Have you met Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard? I know. Could I be wearing any more clothes? That's proud to friends. Doesn't mean I can't hope. Um, um Frankie gone. What do you do about uh Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter? Do you keep them in NXT? I'll tell you what I do about Casey Catanzaro. Keep your you. thoughts to yourself, sir. Send, send her ass home is what the fuck I do. <laughs> um the other girl I don't I, the other girl I legitimately don't know, so I'm gonna That's say her tag team partner, the black girl with the fat ass, the blue eyes, and the long Break, I'm gonna say so. I'm gonna say keep her in NXT so that I can um, know who she get is. To know, no, that's what I'm saying. Get to know her better and like you know have more of an opinion. Her real name is Lacey Lane, and she was like a point guard for like a D1. Heard, I was gonna say I've heard that name before. Yeah, she was point guard for a D1 team. I'll tell you, I'll tell you real quick. Yeah, I know I've heard that. Name. Shaw University. Okay. Yeah, but she, she she's she she has good moments like all of them do. But her and Casey are best friends, so they work well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, I, I don't think either of them would be good. Casey could be a good underdog babyface, but they work together as, better as a tag team. Um, EO's gone. We know this. Uh, it's hilarious. Mandy Rose just got sent back down for all this shit to be happening. Um, Raquel Gonzalez. That is Vince's wet dream. She is Vince's wet dream. She's. Gone, 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 gone. Do you think any of this will extend across the pond to SCUK? Mustache Mountain, A-Kid, Noam Dar, Eddie Dennis, Pretty Deadly, Vico Satamora, Kaylee, Kaylee Ray apparently moving to the United States, so I, I can see that. So I was going to my my response was going to be, do they want to move stateside? Because like if they want to move stateside, sure, I could see it happening for some of them, you know, like maybe not as much. um, Fuck, who's the other part of Mustache? Seven, maybe not as much seven, but like definitely Tyler Bate. If Tyler Bate wants to move stateside, for sure, he'll go to the main roster. As much as Mustache Mountain has been, even more so than than uh, P. Dunn to an extent, the heart and soul of NXT UK, it is just as much as it is for for Tommy Ciampa and uh, Johnny Gargano. It's time for them to go. Listen, listen. As somebody who admires Tyler Bates' package from wherever it may be, uh, he, I he's talking about UPS one, people. Some of UPS. I for FedEx. one am for sure here. <laughs> For seeing more of that um, fine ass on my television. Um, man, this is the part of the of the conversation where I I say out loud, if Joe Coffey wasn't such a piece of shit, Gallus would be perfect for the main roster. Fuck that dude. Man, they'd be perfect for the main roster. Um, another guy that may be long to be moving over here because you know, Walter versus uh, I'm gonna say his name correctly for once. Ilya Dragunov. 
is going to happen at NXT TakeOver. I think this is where Walter finally loses because Ilya has been built for this. As as you saw I the first. I think it's probably. Where I think there it was is almost probably, a murder on TV. I think it is probably where Walter prob, uh, finally loses. And I know Walter will never go full time to like Raw and SmackDown. You're never going to see him every week. But like, it's got to be just a matter of time before Vince offers him one of those like, Lesnar, can uh, you just give me four? Yeah, offers him one of those Lesnar. Can you just like not in terms of money, but just in terms of like, can you give me like six dates? I I, I can work just just six dates. I'll get you in for two Raws and a pay per view. So look, I first and foremost, this is a stupid question, but legitimately, do you think Vince even know who the fuck Walter is? And I say that because if you remember the Survivor Series match, two minutes, Claymore. See ya. Go on back to Austria. Do you think he knows who Walter is? So can I can I give you my honest answer, bro? Like honest answer? That's what we're here for. I don't think Vince knows who ninety percent of his roster are anymore. Like legitimately, I think he knows a, a handful of his like top performers in the like upper ends of the card. But, like, if we get past the, like, if we get lower than, like, a Matt Riddle on the pecking order, I don't think Vince knows who any of his lower card people are. I don't think Vince knows who any of his NXT people are. I think Vince is at an age where he is so unplugged from it that, like, it's not like it was even maybe 15 years ago. Where I would say, oh yeah, I think Vince knows at least two thirds of his roster, but nah. Now I would be surprised if he knows more than a quarter. So I'm gonna disagree with you on that. I think he's more. Pl- I think he's more plugged in than he's ever been because it's it's more on the line right now because there's more money going involved. I I do agree he doesn't know NXT or NXT UK because he doesn't need to. He probably knows the top people, you know, like Adam Cole or stuff like that, Gargano and Champa. But I think he knows the whole main roster, and I'll tell you why. Look at how many interviews we've seen for people who were the bottom of the bottom. Mike Bennett being one of them, you know, um, Kurt Hawkins. And they talk all the time about how they would have great conversations with Vince and Vince knew their stories. So I think he knows. I just don't, again, my theory, which has been forever, is that the people in between Vince and the wrestlers are the worst people in the history of wrestling. That's their fault. God off. That is 100% his fault. 100% his fault. But I do think he knows who they are. It's, it's been, it's lo- it's been long standing. Everybody knows that Vince's best friend in the company is our truth. We've known this for years. They both Charlie boys. Like Vince engenders a type of work environment that does not facilitate strong personnel management. Do you still think that's Vince that does that, or do you think it's all the machine is taking over? Because I, when Vince was the only guy on top, I can agree with that. But there's so many hands. Is it still Vince? Vince, it's it's still Vince because he created the machine, okay. and he sits at its head. Okay. He created this machine. He, you mm-hmm. know, he he did the initial public offer, and it has become a, a giant behemoth conglomerate. But it has always been a giant behemoth conglomerate with one majority shareholder, a giant behemoth conglomerate with one man who has always, no matter what it has been, what venture it it is, it has 
always been repeated, even to this day. Vince McMahon has ultimate veto power over literally everything. Vince McMahon has ultimate decision-making power over literally everything. He could stop a release. He could stop a signing. He could start one at any time. He has ultimate say over everything, which means the machine runs the way that he designed it to run and allows it to do so. So then a better question is, because you're you're right, I can't dispute any of that. Do you think he has the power, given that the train's been off the rails for 20 years now, and I don't mean without the rails in a bad way. I just mean that it's been so long that it's self-sustaining. Do you think he could change it now? I think he's too insulated and surrounded by sycophants. Well, I agree with that 100%. To change you know it much, now. You know how much I hate the middle management of WWE. They're fat. They're, they're, they're god awful. Like, specifically, like, specifically, and I, I mean this, I'm talking about, you know, years down the road after he has passed, regardless of when that may be. I don't ever wish death on anyone, and I'm not going to start now. But I'm talking about in that future after Vince has passed, Mm -hmm. the best thing that Hunter and Stephanie, who I'm just assuming will be the ones to inherit the company, um, the best thing that they could do, in my opinion, is on the very first day, fire Kevin Dunn. Um, if not fire, completely restructure people like Pritchard and um, those other big agents at the top because, like, they are a huge part of the problem. Kevin Dunn is a piece of shit, but he is, quite frankly and very literally, the best ever at his job. There has never been someone better at that job. So... I'm not going to say you're wrong because within his field wrestling specifically, there has never been someone as good at video production as him. But here's the thing. Until somebody gets rid of his ass, when you go, when somebody going to have an opportunity to take that spot. Look, from our perspective, I'm with you, but from a billion dollar, from a billion dollar company perspective with running off the billion dollar payroll that they have to run off of or whatever the case is why even take that chance when we got so now so because here's the difference because here's the difference and this is why i'm talking about a hypothetical future after vince is gone well you take the chance then yeah you take the chance then because the other thing we know about kevin dunn is that he frequently has ideas that are the polar opposite of hunter and stephanie and so if you're hunter and stephanie and you are inheriting the company and you're trying to you know fully make it your own then it's like, hey, yeah, you were my dad's yes man for a long time, and you had his ear, and you were the person that he went to, and blah, blah, blah. And that's all done. So you don't think it could be a Vince Russo situation in that he's 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 perfectly used if he's filtered? Because the reason Vince Russo worked when he worked was because he was filtered by people. He I think, didn't have autonomy. I think Kevin Dunn is a type of toxic that... I can find someone else okay. that can do this job. Okay. But, I mean, I hope like, it's out there, might but AEW and WCW show that ain't there. No, no, no. You're misunderstanding me. You're misunderstanding me. I'm not saying they're going to find somebody who's the exactly as good. I'm not yeah. going to say they're going to find somebody who's the replacement. Because at that point, it's kind of like it's kind of like replacing a franchise player. You don't instantly replace a franchise player with somebody who's on day one ready to be 
the new number one franchise guy, but like eventually the franchise player gets old and they've got to retire and the team has to move on and you've got to draft somebody else. And it's like, listen, you've got the qualifications. We're going to give you all of the support. We're going to yeah. give you all the tools that you need. And you got to show me that this is your job. I, I, I love your analogy, but can I give you a different one? Sure. Uh, the, the analogy I'm looking at it as is... Um, Imagine if you are a t-shirt company and you buy your fabric from you've bought your fabric from this one company and it's made you the best company in the world from a financial standpoint. And eventually you change your fabric because you needed to change for whatever reason. And the fabric is different. And people can notice this fabric is different. From a business standpoint, you may be you can even look at it from you can even use a food analogy. I buy my meat from this company and we've always done it with this company, but you know what? We need to change from this company, go to this company. And people can tell the difference. Dominoes, right? What do you still think it would be? And, and I, I'm with you from a personal standpoint. And I think from a growth standpoint, sometimes you just need a different perspective, but I just don't think companies at that level are willing to do that because they're so willing to cling on to what Microsoft changed CEOs. Well, CEO is different than the guy who quite frankly shapes the way your product is looked at. I mean, here's my honest answer. Honest answer. It's not a it's not an academic answer at all. It's just mm -hmm. my honest answer. Mm -hmm. You can miss me with all of that. This motherfucker is a detriment to the company and he's got to go. <laughs> I don't disagree. I'm with you. I agree. I, I like, hate I can't, so I can't much of people that work home. there. I, I can't so point any the corporate employees. I, yeah, I, I, don't can't point, I can't point any holes in your corporate culture talk. But like what I can say is, number one, miss me with all of that. But number two, here's another <laughs> reason why. And here's another reason why I think it's more likely when Hunter and Stephanie take over, especially considering who Hunter and Stephanie are. Part of the reason Kevin Dunn is so toxic is because Kevin Dunn is a misogynist. Well, that yeah, we yeah, like that's he is so gross and long proof of that to women, and I just find it hard to believe that once a one of the people in charge is a woman, and b they are the parents of four women that they're gonna keep around this sure. disgustingly toxic misogynist. And then Hunter, I know people are always going to hope. I hate when people hold one person's transgressions over their head like listen, they can't change. And, and listen, and listen, we'll put it out. We'll put it out there and we'll say what it is. Hunter did China wrong. Yes. And people can hold that over for the rest of his China life. China wrong. We exactly. will not. We will not sit here as a podcast and try to say that he didn't. And we're not even going to sit here as a podcast and say that we don't understand why it upsets people the way it does. Because like, yes. It was the tipping point of the downward spiral that ultimately led to China becoming what China becomes. Yes. And so, like, if if that was your moment where you're just like, nah, fuck this dude, I get it. I get totally. that that was your moment where you were just like, nah, fuck this dude. However, I also am willing to allow people to do the work to show me that they're better. I'm not willing to forgive you for nothing, ever. But I will allow you to do the work to show me that you have earned the right to be given a chance. Thank you for putting that so eloquently. And I also would like to add to that. 
that you can't ignore facts. And whether you think it was done with ulterior motive or not, you can't dispute how passionately and dearly Triple H has taken to and tried to build and, and, and progress women's wrestling in that company. Yeah. You can, I don't care if you think he's doing it for the clout. Doesn't matter. He's been doing it and was the only one. And so looking at all that, you have a woman at the top of the company and a guy who who believes in women's wrestling as fervently as he does. Yeah, the perspe- the perception of women in the company are going to drastically change. Over yeah, that. yeah. And that's the kind of thing where it's just like at that point you look at your corporate culture and you're just like, listen, this is not what we're about anymore. So either happy trails or from now on you have one job. Your job is to make the videos. You don't get any product. You don't get any input into who's in the video. You don't get any input into the storyline that goes into the video. You don't get any input into who you're putting over in the video. You make the fucking video. I'm gonna give you the footage, and you're gonna produce it. I can tell you this: if there comes a day where Kevin Dunn leaves that job, dies on the job, or gets fired from the job, the position of executive vice president of uh whatever the fuck his title is called, because it's huge, will be, and I'm not exaggerating with this, one of the most sought-after positions in corporate history. And I'm not exaggerating, because that role literally shapes a billion-dollar industry. You know Executive people want that Vice job? President of Fondling Vince McMahon's Balls. Well, I mean, you know, maybe him and Linda wasn't doing it. I mean, here's my no. My only question is this: How many zeros are in that check? Oh yeah, I got a free hand. (laughs) Okay, before we get out here, I got one question for you. All right. We've talked a lot about why things are the way they are. We talked a lot about the perception of the way things have been, what they are, and how they whether become that. We talked a lot about the talent and what could happen with the talent. I'm curious to know with you. What do you think happens with the people that ain't there yet? Because the entire purpose of the Performance Center was built because, much like in college college football recruiting, you come to you go to the gyms. The gyms are what sways the talent because you can say I can see myself going here doing that. And WWE was sending boys to a warehouse in Tampa and a warehouse in Louisville. The Performance Center was to help get people like Bianca Belair. Or like Tom Pestock, a.k.a. Baron Corbin from the NFL. So now with all of this corporate restructuring, with a, a new developmental system and show possibly in the works, what do you think happens to the new form of recruiting, the performance center in general, and where they go from there? Do you think anything changes? Do you think the philosophy changes? Well, so you know what vibe the performance center is giving me in terms of like from what you're talking about and i'm not trying to make any corporate comparisons but this is giving me big factory vibes Mm, okay giving me big and and so much like the factory it's gonna be hit or miss if you're if your new recruiting structure is to go back to we have our own school now with our own trainers and our own thing and we have our own developmental federation that we're going to put you through and we're going to teach you how to be what we want you to be. Sometimes 
you're going to churn out the giant and you're going to churn out Goldberg. And people are going to say, oh, shit, y'all got something here. And then sometimes you're going to churn out some scrubs that we can't even remember the names of. So, you know, I'm going to run. Go ahead. All right, just to finish my point, and from a company standpoint, not as much is going to change as people think, because realistically, there are, there will still be two paths to the WWE. There will be the, I want to go the factory route and be a home-trained, homegrown, like, corn-fed star of what they want me to be, or... I bet your ass if I make a big enough name for myself on indies that they've heard of me, they will still call and say, hey, so uh, you looking for a job? Yeah. So I w- I'm, I'm going to name, and this is off the top of my head. If I miss somebody, I apologize. But I'm going to name top-level stars that debuted in the WWE from the beginning of 2002 because of the class 2002. John Cena, and I'm, the reason I'm naming them, you'll see why. John Cena was trained by UPW, but was only there maybe less than a year, and then got OVW training. So one could say WWE did the majority of his training. Dave Batista, strictly and solely trained by WWE. Brock Lesnar, strictly and solely trained professional wrestling by the WWE. Randy Orton, strictly and solely trained by the WWE. CM Punk. King of the Indies. Ryan Danielson, Daniel Bryan, King of the Indies. Seth Rollins, King of the Indies. The Miz, trained by the WWE. I wasn't even thinking about Miz, but that's a good point, because Miz was, did did go to... Miz was uh, an FTV reality TV star. He did he did do training. He did, he did he like, train somewhere else, but the majority of his training came from, you're right. So I wasn't even thinking Miz, great point. Dean Ambrose, King of the Indies. Roman Reigns, strictly trained by the WWE. won tough enough. Sure, but I'm talking top-level stars. I wouldn't count John Morris in this conversation, but he was a tough enough guy. Um, um, Bray Wyatt, trained strictly by the WWE. Um, Charlotte, first-ever bump, trained from day one, WWE. Sasha Banks, hadn't been training for, hadn't been training for a full year and a half before she got signed. You know what I notice as my recurring theme with these people compared to the King of the Indies? The ones that are solely trained by WWE are the same ones who will never leave WWE. Well, because WWE has invested so much in them, which is why Bray Wyatt was so shocking. But the point I'm trying to make is um, you can even go further. Becky was trained, had retired, and got retrained by WWE. Like so, and then all the way on to 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 uh, to, to uh, Bianca Belair. So many of the stars of WWE. I'm talking the money making, marquee level, main event WrestleMania esque stars. Not like the guys who were on top for a couple months, but I'm talking about the guys they go to. AJ Styles, King of the Indies. These people, right? Kevin Owens, King of the Indies. Kevin, Kevin King of the Indies. These people, mo- the majority of these people were either fully trained by WWE or partially trained by WWE. And I'm not talking I came I I was tra- I I did 6 years by myself and then showed up. I'm talking a year into my training I got signed by WWE and got trained again. The overwhelming majority are by WWE. So when you say a factory, there's very clearly a formula that's been working. Very clearly. 
And if we're honest with ourselves, the ones who were the king of the indies got over in spite of. CM Punk was never meant to be the top star of WWE. That was never Vince's plan. He got over. Daniel Bryan was never meant to be the top star of WWE. That wasn't Vince's plan. But he got over, and Vince, in both situations, acquiesced. So it makes you wonder, you're talking about this this, this factory pattern. The, the, my really? analogy for a factory is, is actually OVW and FCW, what they're going back to. Because then it's even no, it like really, a factory to me. No, it really gives me... But see, no, it really gives me more... And I mean, granted, there are obvious reasons for these approaches and blah, blah, blah. And we that's a totally different discussion. But it gives more merit to that concept that it's harder in WWE for the indie guys because, like, it feels like, in a lot of ways, they give more credence to their homegrown people. But that makes sense because they have dumped the resources into them. They have dumped the time into them. They have spent all of this effort into creating what they are and those people because they were brought up within their pipeline know what their expectations are and like so like i get it from wwe's perspective but i also then get it why when you are a king of the indies type who has paid your own dues albeit in a different place and done it a different way why you can often feel like whoa 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 why don't i have these opportunities why don't i have these things. And so, like, I, I can see some of those criticisms as well. I can, too. But then I think of a guy, the guy who, who acquiesced better than any indie guy maybe ever is Seth Rollins. He has acquiesced completely. You know, I always forget that he's a guy. king of the indies. I always forget that he's a king of the indies. Ring of Honor champion. <laughs> Tyler Black was the Ring of Honor champion. He was in the age of the fall. I know, I know, but, like, it's hard for me to look at him as Tyler Black. Like, that's just it's Seth Rollins. But it goes to show how well he's done in WWE that you forget that. But and just looking at the difference between him and Dean Ambrose, the difference is I think Seth was willing to play the game with the company, and Dean Ambrose wanted to be who I always was. And there is you there's nothing to be said for creative satisfaction and personal fulfillment and happiness i i have no no qualms with that however at the time Seth did everything the company wanted him to which gave him leeway dean fought everything the company wanted him to do which kind of put him number three because when the shield debuted dean ambrose was the top guy yeah he's the, the first the one to get the singles up, title by the time that he got to he got the solo match with the undertaker too by the time the shield broke up, he was the third guy. There's a reason for that. Um, you know, the last thing I want to say, we'll put a bow on this one. Um, last thing I want to say, and I think I speak for you with this one, to the 13 people who were released from their job, I hope that you find fast employment somewhere else. Yes. I look forward to hopefully seeing you wherever that may be. Yes. And in some of y'all's cases, you're going to end up in a better position because you're going to be allowed to shine as opposed to having to be in the middle of the card because of bodies. I completely agree. And I'd also like to say, I really hope that this gives everybody perspective. Because there's a lot of lacking of perspective going on 
in given situation. First and foremost, nobody should ever have to lose their job. And even though this is a, a, a occupational hazard, right? We see it all the time in all sports. People get cut all the time. There's cut days, right? Um, that I appreciate that the overwhelming majority of these people have been appreciative of their time and the opportunity because all you're given is an opportunity when you sign with these companies. And I appreciate that they know now that now is the time for me to go and go work. But I also hope they understand that when you sign a contract with these companies, especially Vince in WWE, I understand what the fuck you're getting yourself into. And if that's not for you, then it's not for you. And if you really tried to make it work, wash your hands, you got paid very handsomely, and go and get that check and be better than you ever were. Well, and especially in the case of, at this point, going to sign for the WWE, because I had brought this up a few months ago, and I still stand by it. It's 2021. The stories have been out there about what kind of working environment that company has Long created time. for 40-plus years now. Yep. Whether it was Vince injecting performers with steroids and then covering it up, or the negligence behind the Owen Hart situation, or the... He who must not be named situation and its tie to performance enhancing drug use that was still going on even after he got caught with the the blood money deals. Like all of that has been out there for years and years and years. And so like, I'm not mad at you if your lifelong dream is to main event WrestleMania and that's what you want to do. I I mean, I hope that that's what you get to do because I want to see that because I want to watch that WrestleMania. But also like, the track record is long enough now that if you sign with that company, you know who they are. You know what they're about, and you know yeah. how they run. And I'm also, if they're, if they're the best company for you, or they give you the most money, cool. But understand, and this is this is the most important thing that I think I'll say all night, and 99% of y'all would disagree with me. I don't give a fuck. Understand that this is not a WWE hazard. Any of these companies will fire your ass. And AEW's got one coming, though. AEW's got one coming. I'm not saying it's tomorrow. I'm not saying it's the next day. But at some point, there ain't no way in hell this company is going to keep 90-plus people on roster and sign new people and never release anybody. There's going to come a time where you're just going to start quietly hearing AEW has released so-and-so. AEW has quietly let such-and-such's contract expire. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. To quote, to quote Kyle's favorite wrestler, everybody pays the toll. TikTok. I don't know who. Uh, I don't know who says that. Karen um, Cross, sir. Karen Cross, your NXT champion. Oh, that guy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I might not know who says that, but you know who I do know, Rance. Just for you, I know Malachi Black. I love that, but you can still say his old name. What old name? I hate you so much. You're talking about Tommy End? He told you that's not his name anymore. I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, man, some people where they can find you. You can find me at Malachi's real name is Alster, a.k.a. Instagram Cash. I don't know who that is. R- R-E-Y's and Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in fuck you. And <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. You can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge C-S. And as always, we are part of the Chairshot Me- um, We are part of Chairshot Media and the Chairshot Radio Network, where you always use your head, preferably not with a real chair. That's at Chairshot Media, y'all. 
And as always, I'll remember, we here at the Outsider's Edge are some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything we can to try to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to do things like fuck up during the outro because, like, this is low-key the second time we've recorded the show today. Um, tell everybody that. Inside tell secrets. everybody everybody thing. Um, and other times we're going to hit you with those real truths, like cuts suck. We hope these people get jobs. Every company's going to do that. Yeah. yeah. But no matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams, and you have got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, we just don't give a fuck. You know, can we still say this when Punk actually comes back, since we stole this from Punk? I mean, yeah. Well, I, the, the answer to that is fuck them. Fuck them. Thanks for listening. We'll catch y'all next time. Don't fire me, Vince. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.